Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. We are in our final sermon of the series, We Are Witnesses, um, and we're thinking about, we've been thinking about the past month, what it means for us as members of Paragol First United Non Methodist Church to be witnesses in our community. And to think about our scripture this morning, I, I want to ask a question, how many of you have seen this movie, Hook? How many of you have seen this movie, Hook? Okay, not that many, not that many. How many of you have heard the story of Peter Pan? Okay, most of us here, most of us here. Now, now, Hook is a classic movie for my generation. It's, it's a great story of the grown-up Peter who finally defeats the notorious Captain James Hook. It's, it's a great movie. It's action-packed. It's funny. It's touching. There's a lot of life lessons that are learned in that movie. And this is one of those movies where your imagination just is captured by the storyline and you can really connect with what is going on. Watching Hook could be an introduction to the story of Peter Pan, but if it is, you will miss out on the full experience of the movie because you're watching it without having the backstory of Pan, the backstory of Pan. In our scripture today, the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had accepted the word of God. And so when Peter goes back up to Jerusalem, the early believers, the early church, started criticizing Peter, saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised, the other people, and eat with them? And then Peter begins to explain the situation and then tells them a recap of the story. And the recap that we hear in chapter 11 is like watching the movie Hook, but not knowing the ongoing struggle between the Lost Boys and Captain James Hook and Peter Pan meeting Wendy for the first time and Tinkerbell having all of the fairy dust so that they can go to Neverland, we need more information to experience the full story. So to understand what's going on in our text today in chapter 11, we need the backstory from chapter 10. First, we have this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is a centurion of the Italian cohort. cohort. He, he's an army soldier. In fact, he leads other soldiers. He's part of the Roman authority that's there in Jerusalem and Israel. He was a non-Jewish seeker. That means he was someone who was interested in the beliefs and practices of Judaism. And Cornelius' household followed him in his belief practices. Cornelius gave alms generously to those around him, and Cornelius prayed to God. And one afternoon, Cornelius was praying, and he has a vision. He has a vision which he saw clearly an angel of God appear and said, Cornelius! And of course, the typical reaction occurs when one sees a vision of the angel of God appear to them and say their name. Cornelius was scared, and he said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said, You have prayed, and your prayers have been heard. And now I want you to send some people to Joppa and find this person named Simon Peter. And Simon Peter's going to be staying at another Simon's house, and that Simon is a tanner by the sea. And the angel leaves Cornelius, and Cornelius calls his servants and his soldiers and sends them to this place called Joppa to find Peter. As Luke is setting up this backstory, there are two things that we need to know at this point. First, 
Peter is staying with this person who is a tanner or a leather worker. When Luke tells a story, he gives us hints to what's coming next. And here's one of those hints, the leather worker. The leather worker is one who works with harvested animal remains to create leather. And according to the Jewish tradition, this was an unclean job. After touching a deceased animal, you would need to go through a number of purification rituals. It was just nasty and unclean work. And Peter is staying with this tanner. Peter is near something that is considered unclean. Second, in Luke, when visions occur, there's a sense that the character is in or going to the right place. Cornelius is given a vision and eventually meets up with Peter. And what will unfold in the story from both Cornelius' experience and Peter's experience in following God's direction is that they will discover that following God leads to receiving God's grace. And then we have Peter. Peter and a few others have been traveling for a while, and they arrive at Joppa around noon the next day, and they're tired and they're hungry. As food is being prepared, Peter makes his way up to the roof and begins to pray, and Peter falls into a trance. And while praying, while in the trance, Peter has this vision And he sees the heavens open up and something like a big old sheet comes down and in the sheet were all kinds of critters. And Peter heard a voice saying, you're hungry, get up, go kill and eat. But Peter looked at the critters and said, that's not going to happen. These are unclean animals and according to our tradition, I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice says to him, what God has made clean you must not call profane. And this happened three times. And then the things were suddenly taken back up to heaven. When something happens multiple times in Scripture, especially in the telling of a story, it means readers pay attention that there is a lesson to be found here. Peter is tired from traveling and and goes up to pray and dreams about what I like to call barbecue options. Now remember, we find in visions that the character is in the right place or being sent to the right place where they will experience God's grace. And in this vision, we have a combination of Jewish piety or the action of worship, prayer, and Jewish law, the tradition in worship, culture preparations. And the exchange between God and Peter only indirectly addresses the concerns about the tradition regarding clean and unclean foods. And this vision leaves Peter to puzzle and to ponder the meaning of what he just saw. In Luke's storytelling, comprehension unfolds as more information is presented. And what unfolds throughout this story between Cornelius and Peter's encounter with Paul and one another is a main theme that we find throughout Luke, that the good news was first for the Jews, then the Gentiles, or rather, The good news is not limited to a set of persons, but the good news is for all humankind. And we see this take place between Cornelius and Peter's introduction to one another. Peter comes across the folks Cornelius sends, and he goes back with them. Peter takes with him some of the believers at Joppa to Caesarea. And at Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together all of his relatives and all of his friends. And when Peter arrived... 
Cornelius met him, and Cornelius fell to Peter's feet and began to worship him. But Peter said, get up. I am only human. And they talk for a little bit, and then Peter looks around and realizes that Cornelius has brought all of these people together. And Peter says, now, y'all know that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate or to visit with all these Gentiles. Ah, but there was that vision. God showed me that I could not call anyone profane or unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. And now I'm here. Why am I here? And Cornelius replied, I was praying and I had a vision and God told me to find you. And now that you're here, tell us the good news that God has for us. And then Peter begins to preach to all who were present. And he starts with this. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. The backstory, Peter's vision on the rooftop. For some, it's a familiar story. Like some of us had heard the story of Peter Pan before we watched Hook. Hearing this story growing up, I remember the inside joke was, this is why we can have barbecue, praise God. For some, this might be the first time you've heard this story, for some not. And we all need an introduction or a reminder that this story really doesn't have anything to do with food, despite the imagery of the vision. In this story, we see God working in the lives of Peter and those around him, and God working in the lives of Cornelius and those around him and bringing them together. The backstory we find here is about people, which sometimes make it definitely more, more messy than barbecue. In our text in chapter 11, Peter has to explain himself to his fellow believers why he has done what he has done. Peter has crossed a line in the eyes of some of the Jewish believers who are confronting him. What were you thinking, Peter? Why did you go talk to those folks? What we don't have, and what would be really helpful for us if we did, is a sense of the tone that those who approached Peter came with. We can imagine what took place. Perhaps we might have even experienced something similar to this. But we don't know the tone of the conversation. It's possible that they came calm and rational and, and asked Peter to, hey, help us understand. Help us understand why you did what you did. We've had these rules and traditions in place and you did something a little bit different. Help us understand why. This experience, though, tells us that the conversation, our experience tells us that the conversation might not have been so calm. Because the reality is, people feel challenged, people feel wronged and unheard when lifelong held beliefs and practices are threatened. So I imagine this was a tense moment, tense moment for the early church. But whether it was calm and rational or even tense and perhaps a bit messy, what has taken place between Peter and those around him and Cornelius and those around him and their gathering together has caused the early church to face the challenge of thinking about who they were and what their calling was as witnesses of God's grace in Christ Jesus. So this conversation needed to take place. And being addressed by the other believers, Peter stood his ground and said, Y'all, it wasn't me, it was God. 
It wasn't an idea, that uh, a strategy that I decided to employ. Rather, it was a direct revelation from God. And that's a hard line to argue against. But it's also a hard line to support. Perhaps the folks of the time were more in tune with hearing the voice of God and accepting such things as seeing visions. Perhaps not. But not surprisingly, not a lot is said in Scripture about what happens after the conversation. Was it convincing? Was there a general acceptance of the radical change in the practice and understanding? Was there not? The story that we have seems to imply that it was. The church begins to spread into the Gentile world, and the mission takes off by leaps and bounds throughout the book of Acts. But though the implication was things worked out, there's still not a sense of perfect harmony within the ministry. There are still bumps in the road as they move forward. Just like Peter in this text, later on, Paul is called out. Paul is called out for extending the circles too wide and including those who are others who should not be included, or or at least the way that Paul wanted them to be included. But Paul also argues this, that there was nothing Paul could do but follow what God had revealed to him. In the story of the early church, something has changed. Some understanding, some position, some rule, written or unwritten, has changed. And there was a new vision, a redirection, and it was not about food or the blessings of barbecue. It was a new way of looking at people. What God had made clean, you must not call profane. Those are the words that came to Peter in the vision. The statements about people, the people God had made clean. Peter must not call unclean. But which people? Who is the people? Again, the answer seems clear in the context of our text. Is it the Gentile race? The non-Jews who have been considered unclean and therefore unapproachable, especially in intimate settings like eating together, talking with one another, abiding together, acknowledging just their existence as humankind? This seems like a safe assumption. It is, however, an assumption The vision isn't specific, really. There is no word that says, these people named here are now made clean, or these people over here are unclean, or these people have always been clean. For Peter's interpretation of the vision was so much larger than that. Peter says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And then he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Think about that for a moment. Is it any wonder that Peter was challenged in this change of behavior or in his interpretation? He was confronted by those who said, but what about? What about this group or or this nationality or this ethnicity? What about the ones who wear their hair like this or who speak like this? The ones who live differently, but what about? Peter says, God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean that I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Friends, I've, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and to celebrate Holy Communion in several different places, Bulgaria, Italy, Mexico, different places. And I have truly seen that God shows no partiality. For I shared communion with those who were different than me, had different backgrounds and traditions, even believed a little bit different than I do. But at the moment when we came to the table, the Holy Spirit 
was so evident that those gathered there were seeking after God. And in that moment, God shows no partiality. What a radical hospitality that represents. That is the hospitality that we find at God's table today. And it's also an awesome challenge for us. As we come to the table this morning and we receive God's hospitality extended to us in the very presence of Jesus Christ, to think about our role as witnesses to the Christ who we follow. No partiality, but radical hospitality. Dr. Daryl Stevens says it in this way, Growth in Christ-likeness allows us to love each other, to encourage development of each person's full human potential. Flourishing is for everyone. As children of God bearing God's full image, all of humanity is redeemed through Christ. Each person is invited to flourish. In this series, We Are Witnesses, we began by asking God to reveal God's self to us so that we might know God's grace as we live into and share God's grace in our witness. We heard of others' unique opportunities to share their witnesses in a way that they only could, and we, we considered how we might share our witness in unique ways for us. And we have heard of the spiritual armor of God that we need to have to be ambassadors of God's love in this world. And today we are invited to follow Christ. We are invited to follow Christ in our witness. To be honest, preaching about barbecue today would have been easier. But as I studied the scripture, I had to be honest with myself, it would not be as nearly as transformative, not nearly as powerful, and frankly, not the gospel. We are witnesses to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this world. Even with all the bumps and bruises and challenges that we face, we are invited to follow Christ in extending radical hospitality, just like Peter, just like Paul, just like the early church, just like Jesus. And that is how we at Paragold First United Methodist Church can love God, serve people, and make a difference by being witnesses of God's unconditional love and radical hospitality. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.